Thanks for joining me here on Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I'm your host, Karen Fabian, the founder of Bare Bones Yoga. I'm an experienced registered yoga teacher with over 15 years of teaching experience, a certified personal trainer, and an entrepreneur. My mission is this, to help you develop into a purpose-driven, confident yoga teacher, one who truly understands anatomy and how to share it clearly and confidently so that you can help your students learn and as a result, grow your impact and connection. I strongly support and value the uniqueness of all individuals and provide a safe community where diversity is embraced. Through my mentorship and signature program called the Blueprint Learning Program, I help yoga teachers build their skills in the area of learning anatomy, and along with that, help them learn important business skills and personal development ways of being that will transform them into purpose-driven teachers who make a big impact. On the podcast here, you'll get a blend of both anatomy learning, stories from teachers, interviews with others in the field, and a dose of personal development. For more information and to get on the wait list for any of my programs, see my website, barebonesyoga.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and this is episode 104. So I'm recording this here on November 23rd, so it's the week of Thanksgiving, and I am really excited to bring you this episode today. This is another interview episode. So for those of you who have been listening to the podcast for a while, you know I do a lot of solo episodes and some uh, interview episodes where I invite a guest on, and over the past several episodes, I have had on a number of different guests. And today is another episode like that. So I want to give you a little bit of background about who is on the podcast today, why I have this guest on, and how I met this person. Before I do that, I just want to let you know, um, depending on when this posts, it may be up and running before my free class today at 6 p.m. Eastern time. If you're listening and it's before 6 p.m. Eastern time on Monday, <laughs> today, November 23rd, come to my live class. It is uh, a one, a half an hour restorative yoga class. It's for free. And all you need to do to sign up is just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com, click on the events page, and you'll see the link to register. Now I do want to um, take this time to let you know, if you missed today's class, I am doing weekly free live online yoga classes. So I would love for you to just keep your eye out on my website, my social media pages. You'll see the alert for when the next class is, and you can sign up. I'm going to be doing going forward themed classes. So every class will have a particular theme, whether it's a style of yoga or a particular anatomical theme or a particular benefit that I hope, um, people will get from taking the class. And the other thing I want to say is most of my online classes are really 30 minutes, maybe 45 minutes top. So I do that intentionally. So it's easy to fit into your schedule. Now, the best way to find out about classes before they happen is to be uh, connected to me on social media or to be on my mailing list. Um, otherwise, uh, I usually send out an email notice or I'll mention it here on the podcast. The other thing I just want to share with you before I tell you about today's episode is 
an, a totally amazing phone call I had yesterday on Zoom actually with a teacher who just graduated from my blueprint learning program. So that brings, uh, I think there's just about 10 teachers who have graduated now in the past year or so from my blueprint learning program, which is my signature program to teach you anatomy and how to share it in understandable ways with your students. And I wanted to share what Britt shared with me yesterday. Uh, she completed the program and I do a graduation call with teachers when they are done. And it's kind of a survey of sorts where I get their feedback about how they enjoyed the program, what they got out of it, any feedback they have from me about how it's set up or anything along those lines. And then I ask them uh, towards the end of the interview or towards the end of the conversation, what has really shifted for them uh, when they look at how they were as a teacher before the program and how they are as a teacher now. And what Britt said to me just really warmed my heart because she said, I feel so much more confident now as a teacher because I understand anatomy more than I did before. And even though there's more to learn, I really feel so much more confident in my teaching. And that is exactly how I want teachers to feel when they complete the program. So I just wanted to share that with you. You know, we hear a lot about transformations and shifts that people can make. That is a shift that I really want for teachers when they complete my program. And it's just great when I hear from teachers that that is something that has indeed happened for them. Now, if you wanna get on the wait list for the Blueprint Learning Program, just go to my website, barebonesyoga.com and you can click on the homepage link for the wait list and I'll let you know the next time I open enrollment. So for today's episode, I wanna let you know who is on the show. Jennifer Zucconi is joining me and she is a registered dietitian. She is a functionally trained registered dietitian and women's wellness expert. And I invited her on the show. Well, let me first tell you who I met her. Jen and I are part of a, a very large community of entrepreneurs, really a global community. And we met last November, I'm sorry, last October, so a year ago last month, in California at an annual conference of entrepreneurs. And we sat next to each other in one of the sessions and we got to chatting and I just really liked her and she and I participated in a number of one-on-one uh, -on -one exercises I think at one point we were doing. And so we just developed a, a connection there and then stayed in touch after the uh, Entrepreneurs Conference. And um, I follow her on social media and I'm always interested in nutrition as part of an overall wellness strategy. And so I was always just in touch with her by commenting on her social media posts and seeing what she was up to and that kind of thing. Now, because her focus as a nutritionist, um, as a dietitian, is on the endocrine system because she really has a, a specialty area in helping women with hypothyroidism and infertility issues. And when I was seeing on her posts a lot about uh, the endocrine system, I thought, gosh, it would be really good to have her on the podcast to just give us some general terminology and to give us just a good 
um, basic understanding of what the endocrine system is and what does it do. And I speak to this a little bit in the episode. Um, the reason I want you as listeners to have this basic understanding is because you know, as you know, in general teacher training, the endocrine system is barely talked about. However, as you know, I'm sure there's plenty of references made to the endocrine system by teachers um, when they teach. So when we're talking about different poses that affect certain glands or different systems in the body or thyroid glands and inversions or different quote unquote benefits that this pose has versus that pose. And I am a big proponent of science. And I am also very leery of statements being made, uh, especially if the teacher is unfamiliar with what they're talking about and they just kind of picked up the wording from another teacher. Um, I'm really, and I'm, and I'm sure if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know this, um, I find it just really, um, important and, and really a sign of your integrity as a teacher, if you only speak to what you know. And, you know, of course, when we're talking about building confidence as a teacher, that's where it comes from. So rather than repeating what you heard, better to do the research on what is really behind that before you say something about it. So this episode is an opportunity for all of us to learn about the endocrine system. And um, I think a lot of what you'll hear because Jen and I go into this in detail is different ways that you can um, really live to keep your endocrine system healthy. And I know that sounds like a very tall order. You know, it really is something that we get into. And I left this conversation with Jen just even more, um, uh, even more inspired to be really, really responsible about my own health. And I think, you know, right now in the time of the pandemic, that is definitely a theme that is out there. And I think that is a really important, valid theme. COVID notwithstanding, it's still a really important theme. And so that's what makes this episode with Jen so important. And I think now that I've just completed it, and I know all of what we cover, which you'll find out when you listen, uh, it really is unbelievable how many different things we go into, some of which you may not have even realized um, is affected by your hormones, by your endocrine system. And a lot of it is really stuff that we often kind of push to the side as just another symptom we have, when really it's our body talking to us and saying, hey, you better listen to me or else something is potentially going to go wrong. And this is absolutely a theme for us as yoga teachers. We encourage our students to listen to their bodies. So as teachers, this is a chance for us to learn how to do the same thing. And um, Jen talks about two particular things, and I just want to highlight them before I start the conversation. She talks about being your own advocate and listening to your body as two things, two pieces of advice, uh, pieces of counsel she would share with someone if they were to ask her, you know, what do I need to do in order to keep my endocrine system healthy? And when you think about those two pieces of advice, the good news is they're good for the immune, uh, good for the endocrine system. They're also just good for you. So uh, having given you that introduction, 
Uh, I want to launch this episode. Uh, I definitely um, encourage you to connect with her on social media. She mentions it at the end of the episode. I'll just mention here on Instagram, she is Jen Z Nutrition. And her website is Jennifer Zucconi, Z-U-C-C-O-N-I.com. So with that introduction, we're ready to begin. Um, you might even grab a notebook for this and take some notes or make a cup of tea, put your feet up, turn off the television and just relax and dive in to this conversation I'm having with uh, Jennifer Zucconi, functionally trained registered dietitian and just all around holistic practitioner. Here we go. Hello. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. I'm just going to change the view of my thing here. It's so nice to see you. It's good to see you as well. Can you believe it's been like over a year and like I, yeah. we live in a different world now and <laughs> everything? Yeah. I feel like um, we were the last, <laughs> we were the last group to meet live for BBD for who knows how long. I mean, definitely this year. Yeah. And, you know, I can't, I, I don't know. I mean, next year, come October, maybe people will have, you know, 500 person gatherings. I kind of feel like even next year it will ramp up. So, yeah. So we were... <laughs> We didn't know it, but we were lucky. I know it's crazy. All of those, like the last, this, the last, that, you know, yeah. that we were a part of, it's like, oh, wow. Like, I'm glad I went because yeah, <laughs> who knows? Yeah, exactly. And I was thinking too, how funny that we sat next to each other in one of the sessions and now like you're on the podcast and like we've kept in touch and, you know, sometimes those things happen. Sometimes they don't like once I, I think, um, being connected on Instagram helps because then you can kind of, you know, follow along with what the person's doing. Um, yeah. I think for me, it was also interesting because when I met you, I didn't know I had anything going on with my thyroid until yeah. recently. So it was also something that even before I found out about my own situation, I was following you on Instagram. So I kind of knew what you were up to and kind of was intrigued by the posts. And then once I went to the doctor and she was like, well, we're a little concerned, but it's nothing really serious, blah, blah, blah. blah. Then I started to really look at the different things that you were, you know, you were posting. So it's just all, it's all very funny the way everything kind of turned out. So remind yeah. me where you are. I'm in Dallas, Texas. Okay. I was thinking yeah. this morning, I was like, I knew it was some, like I'm in Boston. So I was like, I know it's west of the Mississippi, but I couldn't remember which state. Yeah. So how is everything? Well, first of all, you probably have nice weather. We're headed into winter here. We do. It's actually been very nice. I think now it's like 60, that's right at 60 degrees right now, which is cool for us. So it's like, people are like, yay, falls here, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. So yeah, it's been very nice, very mild, but um, yeah, that's once we get the, the break from the oppressive, like, yeah. August and September heat. We're like, okay, anything is better. <laughs> right. Right. That's fantastic. And I think the nice thing too about that, especially in this time of the pandemic is you can eat outside, you can have your, you know, a 
CDC approved Thanksgiving outside and all of the outside. You know, for me here in Boston, the outdoor dining is going to end for restaurants December 1st. So oh, really? all of the restaurants that had outdoor seating, they're going to have to break that down. It's just too difficult. The, yeah. the weather, like a couple yeah, of days true. ago, it was 60, which was odd. Um, but then the next day it was like 45. So, you know, it's just not consistent enough. And I think yeah. that for the restaurant folks, they, you know, to staff up and then to have the weather not be good. It's just been obviously a real, real challenge for them. And it's been nice to see during the warmer weather, people were really supporting the restaurants and really eating outside and all of that. Um, and so now I hope people continue to do it with takeout because that'll really be once we get like, you know, we're supposed to get a mild winter. So I'm hoping that is what happens and maybe we'll yeah. be able to do something, but yeah, we'll have to kind of take it one week at a time as we have been since March. <laughs> I know. I mean, isn't that just like the thing with everyone? It's right. <clears throat> I think our only answer is, I don't know. We'll see. You know, it's like, exactly. we just literally, yeah. and, and that's why I think. I, I just chuckled when we all started into this and we kept using phrases like uncertain times and, and I'm, I'm like, what day is ever certain really? Like when you wake up, it's like, how many times have you had your day planned out and then things go crazy? Like that's just life. And so I think so much of this, we've, we've likened to this new chaos and chaotic, you know, life we live. And it's like, actually, it's just, you know, it's just kind of different. It's just right. something new. And we were always we always woke up to uncertain days. Mm -hmm. um, I think now it's just nice that we have something to blame because right. <laughs> before it was like, right. we would just get mad and like mad at the universe and mad at the, you right. know, whatever. And now right. it's like, we just blame everything on COVID. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Now have yeah. you, um, and we'll get into this a little bit, but it's just yeah. made me think about it now that you mentioned that. Have you changed what you do in terms of helping people? Um, because of the pandemic, have you changed how you see people? And I know I'm kind of jumping ahead. I want you to yeah. give a little intro, but just, I was curious about that. Yeah. So I was always virtual, um, oh. in terms of my business. So that didn't change. Fortunately, that was, I mean, there was no transition there for me. So I was online before I'm online now. Um, that was the same in yeah. terms of clientele. It's really interesting because right after well, not right after, but shortly after BBD, I had started working with a, a coach and she got me from this. I, I was really broad spectrum in who I was seeing and who I was talking to anti-inflammatory type stuff, um, autoimmune, you know, gut health, like it's all there, you know? Right. And she's like, no, 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 no. We need to like yeah. narrow this down. So anyway, long, long story short, I did. And it, came down to this, like women with thyroid or other kind of hormonal imbalances who yeah. are trying or struggling to conceive. Got it. That's a really narrow population. Yep. And that's when the world blew up and fertility treatments were stopped. And women were like, I can't get pregnant now. I don't want to do this. Like what happens if I do, if I get sick, is my baby at risk and all this. And we're like, I don't know, like this is new. And so it just kind of put this hiatus on fertility. And so, you know, here in my mind, I'm like freaking out because, okay, I just did this and now what? And it's like, okay, just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. And, and it's definitely, I felt it for sure. 
for sure. Um, so I've kind of, I kind of rocked this like seesaw balance of fertility, just hormonal health. And some of my messaging kind of goes either way. I still feel a little scattered with that. So I'm just trying to kind of pull that together and like, okay, where, who am I here for? Right. Mm -hmm. Who am I really here for in terms of, of my messaging? And then that whole niche thing is, is that doesn't mean that's only who I can serve, but it's certainly the voice they hear. And it, I don't know, it's, it's been a little bit unsettling in that regard. Mm -hmm. um, and it's funny, as far as social media, I have like, I don't know, I guess it was about two weeks ago. And you know, when you just like hit a limit yeah. and I was like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I was juggling all these things and posting and creating posts and then being on there and getting distracted. And I was like, I've got to get off. Like I've got to get off. And one week turned into two weeks. And I'm now, this is like the full or the, going into like the third full week I'll be off, which I want to get back in there. But like, it just like, things just keep hitting me even as a person. And I'm like, I've got to find my, you know, help balance myself and, right. and what's feeding me and what's not feeding me. So I'm just been, I've just been kind of in this really weird place of just re-establishing everything and, you know, all that. Yeah. And well, I think too, when you're feeling that way, and I can certainly relate to that, um, it feels unnatural to share however you're doing that, whether you're doing videos or posting something yeah. with a little blurb, it just feels forced and unnatural. And I think, um, you know, whatever passion people have and whatever they want to share, you want to feel natural about what you're saying and how you're showing up. Yeah. And as soon as it starts to feel weird and forced, um, I think that's a really good kind of red flag to say, you know, Hey, let me just, and I really respect that you stopped and really honored that because I think sometimes people can try to kind of ignore it. And then you can kind of see sometimes in the post, like this doesn't really seem like what's really happening here. And I think from the perspective of what you're talking about, your messaging can kind of come across in different ways to people. And they might be scrolling through thinking, oh, I thought this person was focusing on this and now I'm seeing that. And I don't know, maybe that's here nor there. Although I think for you, it sounds like you want to decide, you know, what area do you want to focus on? So I think yeah. that actually, if we kind of jump back <laughs> to yeah. the beginning, I took us kind of starting in the middle here. Yeah. Um, so just to kind of give you, and I think we talked about this before the podcast, but just to kind of frame our conversation a little bit and just give you a little bit of background. So my podcast here is for yoga teachers. Um, yeah, however, I've listened to them. Oh, cool. So. Yeah. One of the things that I think yoga teachers kind of have as a learning path is a pretty narrow path because, um, you know, the training that teachers initially get is focused on anatomy as the body function or mm -hmm. part. And then there's all of what is yoga wrapped around that. So all of the breathing techniques and the history of yoga and, you know, um, a lot of other things that teachers generally need to know. I mean, quite frankly, if I could rewrite 
the agenda for yoga teachers, I would really make the anatomy part much bigger. It really isn't, in my opinion, as big as it needs to be in terms mm. of really giving teachers what they need to know to be able to then go into a class and, and teach people a movement practice. But I'm not in charge of that. So I just kind of, <laughs> you know, say that's something I would do if I could do it. So, so having said that, I think one of the things that's really lacking is yoga teachers don't often have a good understanding of other systems of the body. Mm -hmm. And yet we hear in a lot of even references to traditional yoga type things, references to glands in the body and mm -hmm. this pose affects that gland. I think we chatted about this a little bit in the email. Um, there's certainly references to nervous system functionality and, and definitely um, references to the digestive system. And it's just interesting to me as I, over the years have gone into different little niches of learning, pulling in information about these other systems of the body. Um, I've started to think here on the podcast and that's in large part, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on because I wanna, for the listeners, give them some exposure to information about other systems of the body. I certainly, on a lot of the solo episodes I do, talk to anatomy. That's my thing, that's what I love. Um, however, I mean, it's, it's just, I think, helpful for teachers, obviously, to have an understanding of other systems. And, you know, in a way, maybe to kind of sort of debunk some of the yoga verbiage that's out there. Mm. Um, I mean, one of the classic ones that I've heard for many, many years is, oh, do these twisting postures, that's going to help with your digestion. Mm -hmm. um, or that maybe not even help with your digestion, that's detoxifying. That was always something big back when I started doing yoga. Oh, twists and sweating is detoxifying and, you know, kind of implying that there's something um, first of all, toxic in your body. And then maybe there is, maybe there isn't, I guess it depends upon the way you look at what the liver does, you know? So then there's kind of like, well, so if I do a yoga pose and I'm twisting, am I really detoxifying or is my liver doing that? Is there something happening in conjunction that makes that somewhat a valid statement? I think some of that was said to kind of give people the sense that it's more than just the movement you're doing, you're getting all these other benefits too. Mm -hmm. And so again, I think there is a bit of artistic license sometimes that teachers employ, but um, in, you know, I, I really would love, and that's why I wanted you to come on to share just general information. I have some questions based upon knowing what you do and doing some research about on your website and, and, and what you're offering but just to kind of have just a general conversation about the endocrine system at some point. I also have some questions about you specifically and what you're doing and who you're helping. So you can talk a little bit about that niche, because again, mm -hmm. you know, the majority of my listening audience is female mm -hmm. because, um, or identifies as female mm -hmm. because, um, uh, the yoga, you know, practitioner community and to a certain extent, teacher community is probably, I don't have the latest statistics, but it is probably uh, more female than not. Mm -hmm. um, and additionally, even regardless of what the numbers are, I know that a lot of my listeners, 
you know, what you do and that niche that you focus on, even though it's not necessarily a yoga topic will be a topic that might be relevant to them. So mm -hmm. that's also mm -hmm. something where I know when we were talking before, you know, um, we were thinking, oh, that's maybe not a yoga, a yoga topic. However, my listening community, if there are women out there who are trying to conceive and mm -hmm. have heard something is up with their thyroid. So we can certainly go into that. And who knows? I, I actually remember an earlier episode, I had a chef on and it was a, another reason why I did um, where I could make a connection. Although a lot of what she spoke about was intuitive cooking. And so even though that's not a yoga topic, it's really under the broader umbrella of health and wellness and cooking healthy food and tapping into your intuition to do that. So I definitely like to expand <laughs> a little yeah. bit on just the narrow topics that I do. Uh, Cause I think, you know, just as people, it can be beneficial to them. So having said that long, I feel like I just talked for 10 minutes. So I apologize. That's for good. That. Um, why don't you start out by sharing, like think about just the people listening, sharing who you are, we know where you are and tell us a little bit about what you do. Okay, so go ahead. You know what, yeah. I'm gonna switch over my internet. I, you shouldn't go away. I'm okay. gonna make sure I'm on the better just in case. Now, can you hear me now? Okay, you there? Yeah. Okay, good. All right, so just share, just- Yeah, just give, give us a little bit about, I didn't, I'm gonna record an intro that I'll tack on to this. So okay. I'll give people a general sense of your background, which I got from doing the, taking a look at your website. I think just, especially because there's different um, backgrounds that people that are registered dietitians have. So I think that would be helpful for people to understand your background. Got it. Okay. So um, my name is Jennifer. I'm in the Dallas, Texas area. And yeah, so I have been a registered dietitian. I first got my license back in the late 90s. So I've been around the block. <laughs> We've seen a lot of changes in this field um, from the days of the Food Guide Pyramid and, you know, that kind of thing, which now is just like we chuckle at it um, to, you know, just just genetic, you know, testing for nutrigenomics now. I mean, it's the the lengths and the the distance that we have come in this field um, is just it's amazing and, and almost mind boggling to believe we are where we are with it. So yeah, and I got my start in clinical. I was working as a dietitian in a hospital and um, I'll save a lot of life details, but long story short, um, when we first had our first daughter, um, I was planning on going back to work. I ended up staying home with her and that turned into um, multiple children and staying home longer than I expected and homeschooling my girls. And so I, I was out of the field professionally for much longer than I anticipated. And so getting back into it um, when I, when they are all teenagers now and, and when they all went back into school full time, you know, it's just like, what do I want to do? And um, the field again had changed so much. I had a lot of personal personal journey, not just with myself, but with my children, um, health and wellness that uh, the medical, traditional medical model was not helping mm -hmm. and really went kind of on a side tangent with my own health. And like I said, the health of my kids. 
to really kind of get out of the box of allopathic medicine to explore other healing modalities. And that's when I really got um, really enamored with the, as we label it now, the field of integrative and functional medicine um, was working with a provider at the time. And then that's when I just said, this is what I'm doing. And so I went deeper into that from a, from a, you know, scholastic perspective, learning more about it and uh, different testing modalities and such. And, uh, you know, have just done, done a lot to, to learn more about that way of healing, because it's, it's such a holistic view of the person. And when I say holistic, I really just mean whole person. And, and that's what I tell people as I start to work with them is that I don't, I don't just look at your lab values and say, oh, we need to fix this or look at some test result and say, oh, this is wrong with you. It's like, we go backwards. We have to look backwards to say, why is this wrong? What is speaking to this area of your body to say, don't do this or do this. Let's go backwards to see where that top kind of first domino is, right? That falls, that sets all these other things in motion. What is that that we need to get to? Um, and, and how do we need to address your whole holistic, right? Health and wellness to affect this downstream kind of, um, element that we're seeing here. So that's really how I got into the more integrative, functional, deeper dive type of nutrition um, work that I do now. Okay. Yeah. So, so when, when you say functional nutrition, yeah. I mean, so I think a lot of people, myself included, when they think about working with a dietitian, they think about, um, you know, meal planning and food yeah. choices and what's healthy eating. And then I sometimes think about people with different conditions like Crohn's disease or diabetes or some, or maybe someone who wants to lose some weight, something like that. Um, now you're talking about it in the context of the endocrine system. So how does that mm -hmm. look in real life? Like what yeah. kind of people might you see and how do you make those connections between nutrition and endocrine? Yeah, that's a great question. And as I was working with more um, clients and such, and I was really in this kind of broad spectrum, autoimmune, inflammatory, gut health, you know, that kind of, of kind of patient picture. Um, it really, you really do start seeing some of the same, not same things, but very common things over and over again. And those did involve a lot of hormonal issues, a lot of, especially as I worked more with women, um, a lot of thyroid um, you know, dissonance there and, and a lot of thyroid kind of, I'll say problems, but nuances that were affecting overall health. And yeah, the endocrine system is so interesting in that it is such a kind of, uh, watch guard of our health, if you will. You know, we've got endocrine glands, you've heard of exocrine glands, and they both have, they both kind of start the same way, but the way they act is extremely different. You know, exocrine glands are think, glands that um, they have a duct that maybe holds something until you need it. Um, they, your sweat glands, your sebaceous glands, your oil glands, those secrete right out and they just, they just give you something. Um, even your, some digestive enzymes from your pancreas, they go out into the blood and they just do a thing. Um, your, your mammary glands as women, um, secrete milk through milk. Duct. So what they secrete is exactly what you need and it's ready to use. Whereas the endocrine system is very different. It still secretes, but it's a, it's a ductless system. There's nothing there holding, waiting for you. And when it secretes things, 
um, and I can talk about some of those glands, it needs a, it needs something to carry them through the blood. They're not ready to go as is. It needs kind of a carrier. And then once it gets there, it needs kind of a receptor site. And then once it gets to its point of connection, not only does it do its thing, but then it starts this other cascade of, of hormonal action. So I call hormones, and, and this is what we think of when we think of our hormonal system, is these are endocrine glands, things like your thyroid gland. It creates thyroid hormone, but until thyroid hormone gets to your cells, it mm -hmm. doesn't do anything. It, you can't use it. Um, your, your adrenal glands secrete cortisol. Um, cortisol, it goes into your blood, but until it hits certain receptor sites, it doesn't, doesn't do what it's supposed to do. Mm -hmm. Insulin, another pancreatic thing like digestive enzymes, but insulin being a hormone, it's got to get to the cell. It's got to hit its receptor to open the door and let the glucose in. So it, again, this, this cascade of reaction and, um, with, oh gosh, I forget where I left off with that. Um, but, but the endocrine system is, is that they are what I call their extroverts, right? They don't just go and do one thing and they're by themselves. They right. need others to help them. They love communicating. They're messengers. They never work in isolation. And that's what our endocrine system does. And, and like I said, at the beginning, it's, it's kind of a watch guard of your body. Um, because your thyroid being one of the biggest, um, you cannot function without your thyroid gland. You, you can have it removed, but you have to take thyroid hormone. You cannot function without the work that it does. Right. Um, so if you have part or all of it removed, um, you've got to, to monitor that. And, and if you have all of it removed, you, you need the, the hormone uh, because it is such a watch guard of your body. And it sends messages when things don't look right, when there's inflammation, when there is high stress or when there is, and, and stress is a, a big word. That means a lot of things. Mm. Um, it, it sends a message to other hormones to say, Hey, stop. We can't do this right now. She's overworked. She's overtired. She's overstressed. She's undernourished, all these things. We need to stop these hormones right now because it's dangerous out here. And we don't want to let this other thing go on. Um, mm -hmm. That's a big thing in reproductive re reproduction. Um, so, so the hormones, it's kind of like this watch guard of your body. And, and again, they influence each other. They never work alone. Um, Got it. Got so that's a big thing. Yeah. So if you, especially for listeners who, like I hear a lot of times from yoga teachers when I'm going to start to teach an anatomy session, you know, I don't know a lot about science. I'm really freaked out about my ability to learn anatomy. And this is oftentimes a big like um, identity thing that teachers have that can lead to a real lack of confidence. They feel like as they're entering their teacher training or even after their teacher training, I really didn't retain any anatomy. It's just really like something that I feel is in the way of me being a really, you know, um, uh, I don't want to say successful teacher, but a confident teacher. Yeah. So listening even to what you just said just now, the explanation or some of that background and is feeling like, wow, I just, this all sounds so interesting, but I don't really even have a basic understanding of what the endocrine system is. And I don't mm -hmm. really get some of these words she's saying, insulin, pancreas, kind of, sort of, can you just kind of give like, you know, like they have those books, like the dummies guide to, you know, yeah. so just give us like a basic understanding of what is this system doing, especially because as I said, we certainly hear a lot of references to it mm -hmm. as students in yoga classes. Sometimes people we trained under might be throwing out references to, oh, you know, stick your feet up in the air. This is good for your thyroid and blah, blah, blah. So just give us a basic understanding of what is the endocrine system. Mm -hmm. 
Well, it's, you know, like I said, it's a system within your body um, that kind of receives signals kind of from within itself, but, but from other areas in your body. And they respond with normally uh, hormones. That's, that's the main kind of element of the endocrine system, which then go and do the job that, you know, your body was sensing, whether it was, um, you know, she needs a little more, you know, she just got up and ran away. She must need some cortisol or some, some dopamine or some epinephrine, you know, let, let's give her some, this, you know, kind of burst of energy that she needs. So it kind of scans the environment. It kind of watches everything that's going on, um, kind of senses what you're going through and, and kind of helps you respond you know, to those situations. So that's, it's kind of like that, like I said, that watch guard mentality, it's kind of monitoring everything for you. Um, It's a little different than, um, let's see, what what can I compare it to? Um, Like your sweat glands that are, that's a gland, that's that's a gland, just like you have another gland, which is just a, a fancy word for, you know, smaller than an organ, but, but it does a job. Um, and, you know, you, you're, those are a little bit more responsive to your environment, like what's going on. She's too hot. Let's cool her down. Let's make her sweat. Um, she's got, you know, what's another example? Like the oil glands, if, if your skin is too dry, sometimes you're actually, you're, um, oil glands will actually over secrete or if there's, you know, something that they'll respond in that way. Um, but it's not what I would call a life sustaining response. Um, I mean, some could call sweating a, a life sustaining response, but you could technically cool yourself down without the need to expel perspiration. Right. right. Yeah. Right. Cool yourself down, cold water, cold room, cold towel, something. Um, whereas the endocrine system is a little bit more responsible for life. Um, like I said, with, with the pancreas, which is a, a, um, an organ inside your body. It's got special glands that secrete a hormone called insulin. And insulin is responsible for lowering your blood sugar when you have an intake of, you know, carbohydrates or, um, you know, protein that's turned into carbohydrates or something, but, you know, it, it's going to lower your blood sugar. Um, again, that's a life sustaining response. Your thyroid hormone, you need it for life. Every cell in your body, there's one thing every single cell in your body needs hormonally, well, two actually, one is thyroid hormone. Every single cell in your body needs thyroid hormone. The other is vitamin D, which is technically a hormone. It's not a vitamin. Um, So again, those are life sustaining. um, It's a life sustaining system. Mm -hmm. And I think that the most interesting thing and most important thing to realize about the endocrine system is that it, it, the influence that it has on each of its members is so um, influential to reuse the word. Um, it is so constant and, and they speak to each other and they kind of help self, self-regulate each other in order to keep you, again, your body's job is to keep you safe and keep you alive. And the endocrine system is really uh, very responsible for that. Um, and and endocrine- members, you mean between like pancreas and spleen and other- Yes, memory and, and hormonal things. Yes, yes. All the, the kind of members of the endocrine system, meaning thyroid, your pancreas, your adrenal glands, your um, pituitary gland that's in your brain, all of these things that, that secrete hormone out into the blood, into your body, yet they need to be either activated or have a carrier protein help them go around or again, have that connection site at a cell or membrane to actually uh, 
encourage the response that that those are that they're looking for. Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's funny when I hear you talk, it almost sounds like um, you know you're a physician focusing on the endocrine system. So mm-hmm. what is that? An endocrinologist, right? That's what it would be. Yeah, a specialty, right? Yeah. Um, and so and so I have to keep reminding myself that that's that your focus is is well, let me ask you, is it nutrition and its impact on the endocrine system? Is that how you can kind of frame what your kind of intervention point is versus like medically treating someone like an endocrinologist would if that person went to the doctor and endocrinologist and said, Hey, I have a problem with my thyroid and that physician might do a thyroid scan or write a script or blah, blah, blah. Tell us about like your role. So now that we have kind of this general idea and we know your background is in nutrition, how do those two things, because I wouldn't necessarily, I don't know. I would, I don't know that I would see just obviously what the link is. Yeah. Yeah. Between what I'm eating and my, I mean, I guess in, if we're looking at the pancreas, maybe that's a little easier because we're talking mm-hmm. insulin. So mm-hmm. let's talk about that a little bit. Yeah. And they can have, you know, not only does your endocrine system influence, you know, your nutrition and and your digestion and your absorption, but what you're eating is going to influence your endocrine system. So it's kind of this symbiotic relationship they have um, because let's start, you know, let's start with the thyroid, for example, because that's, like I said, such a high ranking um, kind of master gland of your body, really. It's, It's such a scanner of the environment and such a Um, helper for you to respond to what's going on. And it will also put the brakes on you if you're overdoing it. And our nutrition, our stress, our, how we, how we are managing that stress, not just removing ourselves from a stressor, but how do we move through that stress response? Um, That's something that your, the endocrine system is very sensitive to, and it will stop you. It will put your brakes on inside you without you being able to kind of control that um, and that's when we feel the, the symptoms or symptoms are our body speaking to us and giving us kind of these signals of, Hey, you've gone too far. I'm going to make you feel too tired. I'm going to give you digestive problems. I'm going to give you, you know, a headache to slow you down. I'm going it, to, it's, it's these symptoms that our body is sending us as messengers to stop and, and kind of evaluate what's going on. So as I work with people, um, like I said, if, if let's say it's thyroid, um, and, as I would be compared, let's say to the endocrinologist where you would go and you would get a thyroid test and you'd say, oh, this is too high or too low. Okay, here's some medication to quote, fix it, right? There's my air quotes. And you take it and, and it, maybe it works and it feels great and you're good. Um, or maybe you take it and you don't notice anything or maybe you take it and you feel even worse um, because that can happen. And what I do is instead of, because I'm not a uh, you know physician prescribing medication, I don't prescribe pharmaceuticals. Um, but I have to look at that and say, okay, here's your labs. I see that this is off. Why is this off? Let's take a step backwards. Let's turn around a little bit and look at what is it again, because this endocrine system, remember, these are huge influencers of each other. One thing and you're with, within your endocrine system, let's say it's thyroid numbers. If those are off, I guarantee you something else along the path is off. We're just not checking for those. Um, so we've got to remember that as, as influencers of each other, when one is out of range, out of normal, whatever that lab range is, which then we get into a more finite conversation of normal versus optimal on a lab report. 
um, which is which is a whole different conversation. But we have to say, okay, why is the thyroid overworked right now? Or why are your cells, your thyroid gland is fine. There's no problem with your gland at all. The thyroid hormone you're making, your cells are not responding to. More medication is not going to help that person. They've got the gland working and producing, but the cells are not responding to the hormone. Why? Mm -hmm. Okay. That's probably an, that's an inflammatory type response. It's a hyper stress response. That's a, you know, and, and again, we go backwards to why is this not working? And that's where I come in and help with maybe it's uh, supplementation. There are certain nutrients your body needs to convert those hormones from inactive to active to ready for the cells, that if we've got some of those kind of links in the chain that are missing or not quite linked up right away or the way they should be, um, that, 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 uh, that, what you call it? Um, <laughs> that cycle can't yeah. com complete itself. It can't, it can't go from inactive to active to what your cells need. Right. And so we need to supplement with some of those nutrients like zinc or selenium, or maybe you're iron deficient, or maybe there's not enough protein in your diet. Maybe you're actually under eating a little bit and not realizing it because your day is so busy and stressed and you like, you eat when you think about it, you get hungry. But when we look at your, your full day, calorically, we're kind of at a deficit and that's a stress to your body because your body goes, Hey, if she keeps doing this, we can't burn anymore we've got to shut off a little bit and turn our system down because she's going to be overworking and overexpending herself. So let's protect her. Let's turn these hormones down. Let's make this thyroid hormone not actually work very well because if we, if we keep it working too much, she's going to burn out. So, so it's, it's again, kind it's of kind of a protective. Yeah. It's not as interesting when you talk about it because it makes me wonder why doctors wouldn't do what you do rather than just going for the medication prescription. Yeah. Why? Well, it's a question I wish they don't know that there's a precursor problem that could be the source. Yeah. Um, to give credit to that, then that I would say, yes, I benefit of the doubt. A lot of them don't know um, because nutrition is not what they are trained in. Right. It's like saying I'm trained to prescribe certain medications. No, I'm not. That's, that's why I would send you to the doctor or a physician, a prescribing practitioner. That's not my training. Um, they get in the hours. Well, you'll hear different hours thrown around, but it's very, very, very little in terms of the number of hours they are given for specific training and nutrition. Um, however you want to use that word. So yeah, there's a lot of, of, lack of knowledge there, not by their own ignorance. It's just that that's not what they are trained in. Um, another thing is, is when they're looking at labs, um, I always, when I work with women in terms of, especially um, if we're looking at thyroid, if we're looking at things like fertility, um, we want to get a full thyroid panel of all the thyroid markers because one marker, especially the one they usually check is TSH. That's a brain hormone that comes from your brain, from your pituitary, from your hypothalamus, it, it starts this kind of cycle and this, this cascade. And that's what speaks to your thyroid gland. Well, your thyroid gland, again, let's go back to the fact that it could be functioning just fine. Maybe TSH is having to kind of talk to it a little too much, but it could be your thyroid, it's not your thyroid's problem at all. So we've got to look at that whole panel to see where, where is the hangup. Um, because more thyroid hormone might not be your solution. Um, it might be, you know, some of these other things I talked about. 
um, and doctors aren't looking at that full panel, I'm gonna say 95 plus percent of the time because it's not going to change their plan of action. Hmm. It's not going to change how they treat that patient. If they find thyroid antibodies, they're still going to start a thyroid hormone if they need it. If they're not looking necessarily, unless you're going to a very skilled endocrinologist that is, this is his thing, this is her thing. Um, they're probably not going to be looking at what is your T3 to T4 ratio, or what is your reverse T3, which is another thyroid hormone that kind of, again, it puts the brakes on you when you're going too much and your body needs to stop. It creates this thing called reverse T3, which you can think of kind of like the brakes on your car. Whereas your, your T3, the real active hormone, that's like the accelerator. So if we see that reverse T3 is trending a lot higher, we know there's something going on to kind of funnel it that way rather than staying active. So we have to take a step back. Again, it's not going to change their course of treatment. And unfortunately, and I know this only because I've had some conversations with doctor's offices trying to get patients uh, or trying to get my client's labs covered under their kind of watchful eye, is that if they're not already diagnosed with something, they're not going to run the labs. Right which in my mind is just the whole backwards thing because we're running the labs to try to prevent something. So we don't have a diagnosis, right? But right. again, it's not the current medical model. It's moving more toward that insurance-based diagnosis driven. When you have the diagnosis, it gets covered. So we'll do it. If you don't, we don't do it. And that's why so many of these things, especially related to thyroid and, and other things are going undiagnosed for years and years and years. And then when we do find them there, it's sometimes too far gone and we've got too much damage done. Right. So. Wow. That's, I mean, I think that's like a systemic issue within the medical industry community profession that mm -hmm. is affecting patients that have thyroid conditions in general, you could say that they're potentially missing. So, all right. So let's talk about, um, and maybe this is a good time to kind of launch into this because we've touched on some of these themes just in what we've been talking about so far. So one of the things that was interesting to me when I looked at your website and I looked at kind of your presentation of your approach to working with somebody, and I thought it was interesting how you had I forget the acronym and what it's spelled, but you had kind of this wheel. It almost looked like a wheel with several different systems or like, like interventions noted. I think it was like diet and exercise, you know, like other things, lots of things were noted. So to me, like as a yoga teacher, I mean, of course the whole foundation of yoga is the eight limbs. Like when we go back and look at classical yoga and physical posture, asana is just one of the limbs. And then there's all these other limbs, many of which describe several different um, levels of meditation. And it kind of is a wheel that ultimately ends in this state, this state of higher consciousness known as enlightenment or samadhi anyway. So I was attracted to that visual. And, and I know from seeing your Instagram posts that you have this kind of multifaceted approach to working with people. And I think that too, topically, is something that yoga teachers resonate with because even though we're teaching people yoga, 
we see them as whole people, you know, and, and how, especially if you work with someone privately, how there's so many other systems that can affect and situations and reactions to things that can affect the person you're, you're working with. So can you talk a little bit about how you kind of approach working with someone and pull in, like, what are these different areas that you're looking at with someone? Yeah, that's my um, kind of my nourishment flower. And to me, how I see the person in front of me is such a multifaceted being. I mean, we're not just what we eat. I mean, if that were, if that's what healed us, we'd have a lot less <laughs> illness and, and problem in terms of health in our country. Because at the end of the day, most of us know what we should be eating. If we, if we want to put like good and bad labels on food, which I don't do, but if we want to try to balance that scale and we want to say, oh, just eat good, you know, we would all do it and we'd know what to do. And we just, it doesn't happen. And so this, this whole picture of nourishment to be, yes, nutritional nourishment is a huge element to you. And if we're working with somebody, if, if I'm working with somebody who's got some major food sensitivities or intolerances or nutrient deficiencies or things like that, that we really have to fine tune that nutritional nourishment is so medicinal. It can, it can bring you in the things that you've been lacking. We can be taking away things that are causing problems like inflammation or autoimmune kind of tendencies to go on. So we really look deeply into that. So that that's definitely a huge thing. Um, but a great plate of food, like I said, at the end of the day is never all somebody needs for health because we are, we feel we're emotional beings. I mean, let's just say 2020 and let's see what emotion comes up in us. I mean, like that's a triggering word now, 2020 for all of us. Um, and, and so I've, you know, the emotional aspect of, of nourishment to me is a huge one. Um, and, and mental nourishment is another one there. They, they kind of overlap in a sense, but I do think there's a big difference between nourishing yourself emotionally and nourishing yourself mentally. Um, yeah. Mental nourishment, I think sometimes is taking breaks that we need that we don't allow ourselves. Um, having that need to be do, do, doing, and then having also the permission and sometimes I'm the one to forgive that, to give that permission slip of saying, no, you, you don't need to do, you just need to be, just mm -hmm. be today, you know? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so mentally nourishing yourself, um, maybe it's meditations, maybe it's, um, you know, some other form of mental, just kind of, of cleansing, of, of healing, um, that emotional side can come through other things, you know, again, meditation kind of overlaps there. If you get into to things like that, maybe it's, um, uh, journaling, gratitude journaling, maybe it is, you know, other, other elements. I mean, th that spans a huge thing. And I work with people individually on all of those. There's not like, okay, here's your checklist of the five things you need to do to be emotionally healed. You know, it's, it's not that at all. Um, but you know, you, we, I meet people where they're at and we work with that. And that's a very, that's a lot more gradual process because um, there's a lot there. There's a lot of past that comes up. There's a lot of um, trauma that, that begins to reveal itself that maybe, I, I mean, I, I can speak to that personally, things that I was just pushing down for years and years. And finally there was something happened in my life and it just like, I was this volcano and I'm like, oh my gosh, where's this coming from? And, and then you realize everything you've kind of pent up inside for so long and, and to get that out, what 
what health that does bring about in so many ways. So, so nutritional nourishment, mental, emotional, physical nourishment there brings in, and I don't always even use the word exercise because to me, we, a lot of people connotate that with, you know, hit classes and leaving wasted and, and just, you're just overworked and sweating and, you know, you can't walk out of the, out of the gym. And to me, that's a really bad exercise because that means your body did not like what you just did. Like, let's take a message. Um, yoga, you know, there's your physical movement there. So I just really use movement activities, movement nourishment, um, because that looks so different for so many people, especially, especially people with, again, going back to this big word, endocrine disruption. Mm-hmm. It's a safety network. Your body is, that's your safety kind of internal safety network and, and watch guards that you have. And when you're overstressing your body with exercise, that is just like stress of worry, stress and financial stress and partner stress. And I'm running from a bear stress and all of the stress exercise does that same thing at mm-hmm. a cellular level. And if we're doing too much of that, it's not helping our body. So tuning that back and dialing that back to more restorative forms of of yoga. Even if it's like, oh, I do hot yoga. Well, that's maybe a little too much. You know, that's an intense exercise. Um, So so dialing that back to more restorative. And if it's not every day, at least Hmm. weaving that in more so than it had been before or or a leisurely walk versus a run, Um, you know, whatever it is, keep it, but let's dial it down. Um, relational nourishment, I think is huge as well. That's taken a hit this year. We can't see the people we want to see. Um, we can't, even if we can, it's not in the way we want to, our physical touch with people has been distanced. That element of, of removing that even from our society, um, is huge. So how are, you know, as I work with women or, or if they're couples trying to conceive or something, you know, how are you connecting relationally outside of what it is you're trying to do just in life together? Like what Mm -hmm. hobbies do you have? What, what makes you laugh? Like really laugh? Um, what, what memories do you have that bring up, you know, fun things that you used to do together, you know, things staying relationally connected to people as much as we can now, um, to continue to give us that connection with not just our spouse or partner, but other people in our life that bring us joy. And the hard part of that is removing some of those people that don't bring you joy or are, are taking from your life and draining you in ways that are not contributing to your health. And that's a hard thing to do. Yeah. And then lastly, a spiritual element. And this would be, again, another very individual one for people. Um, I never would ever ask anyone to adhere to some certain type of faith or background or or religion type of something. Um, But somehow acknowledging that there is a power, a a being that is greater than you, that you do not have to be in control of all of this. That there is somebody that, that sees you as worthy, mm. that sees you as purposeful and acknowledging that element can sometimes just give us a little bit of, wow, this isn't all on my own shoulders. Like it's okay. And, and I think so many of us, especially as women, literally and figuratively put the weight of the world on our shoulders. That's where we feel so much more stress is in our neck and shoulder area. Um, and, and so just again, acknowledging that higher self that 
it's not all up to us and that that we are worthy of, of so much and and are able to attain so much kind of when we release that that kind of tension that we have within ourselves. Yeah, that's amazing. I mean, I can see as you're talking the wheel that I saw on your website, but even if I didn't see that, just seeing kind of that holistic approach to working with someone, you know, illustrated through those different areas. And I think to me, it's, it's really interesting because, you know, whether it's going to, I mean, certainly if you were to go to a physician of any kind, it, it's, it's not even for an internist, it's not typical that the physician asks you about those other aspects of your life. Um, I do find now when I go for my annual physical, they have a couple questions on the intake that has to do with, do you feel safe at home? Do you feel safe with your partner? So they seem to be working in domestic violence type questions. However, all these other things are definitely not part of it. So it's just interesting to me. And, and I think in a way, especially again, because I'm kind of, in the yoga world and yoga as a practice is a holistic practice. And it's meant to kind of address so many different things, even though we're not directly addressing relationships we have with people, there's the relationship with yourself. And then certainly you can look at that through the lens of hormones, right? You could say, if you have a good relationship with yourself, your endocrine system probably is operating at a more optimal level than if you have a not so great relationship with yourself and stuff like that. So, you know, it's just, again, I think when you were speaking at the beginning to stepping outside the traditional path for yourself, when you needed some treatment Mm -hmm. to someone else that had a more broader view, is that oftentimes why people seek you out because they're also looking for something different that is more holistic in its approach because they're missing out on having all these other areas addressed? Yeah, I think so. Because, you know, especially in the hormonal world and, and if we can, you know, if you want to touch a little bit on that, that kind of fertility world in terms of women and reproductive health is that they see, you know, what's not working. Well, let's, let's find a a medication to help that or fix that or, or enhance that. And they're not, again, again, I just have to keep going back to the why. Why is that off? You're, you know, your thyroid gland doesn't just stop working. Something's got to talk to it to not talk enough or talk too much. Or again, the cells, your, your cells aren't responding to the hormone. So we've got, we've got to look back to that why. Mm-hmm. Um, so why there's like is a trigger. That? There's an initial trigger that there starts. is, there is. And, and I think that is why people would seek me out is because I do look deeper into that. And, and even the lab testing that I do do, um, it's not just, you know, your basic lipid panel and let's get your TSH. It's I'm getting the full panels. I'm looking at, you know, I, I do some more functional type testing, whether it's stool testing, we're looking at what, what gut problems do you have going on? Mm-hmm. That is a whole hidden world of stress. Yeah. I just actually body. read um, fiber fueled. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you know, Dr. Will Buskowitz, he's on Instagram as the gut MD. Oh yeah. And yeah, just read his book is called fiber fueled. I heard him on the rich roll podcast. It's a really, really good episode within Uh the past six months. Okay. Um, if you're, I'm sure you, you're probably well-versed on it all. I was. Yeah. It's it's a whole nother land. 
Yeah. When you're mentioning, I had no idea until I listened to the podcast and read the fiber fuel book, how much is connected to not just your gut and its relationship to your body, but what you eat. I mean, I think people are kind of used to hearing eat more fiber, but there's so many more. I didn't even know before reading that book that sourdough bread was fermented bread and that there's a benefit to eating fermented foods. And in fact, as a yoga person, all my colleagues that drink kombucha, kombucha mm-hmm. and I never drank it, um, is also a fermented food, had no idea, had no idea of the benefit. So I can totally, um, yeah. when you said gut, you know, as another system to think about and its impact on everything, I can certainly say from just my very brief recent education on the matter, it's mind blowing. (laughs) It is, it is. And it's a whole, I mean, we are more bacterial than we are human in terms of number of cells and DNA. Mm -hmm. And when you think about that in perspective and how we are not putting as much focus on our gut health as we need to be that kind of like, that's a crazy thing to think about is we've got to be nourishing and nurturing that whole environment of us. And sometimes it does take, you know, specific stool testing to see, okay, what's going on in there? What, what do we have that's too high or too low or not there at all that should be. Um, so those are kind of some of the things that I bring in or some, some deeper hormonal testing that looks not just at what are your hormones at in your body right now? That's one little tiny snapshot of time, but I want to know what are your hormones doing? How is your body metabolizing them? How are you breaking them down? Are you breaking them down or are things kind of getting backlogged? Do we have a problem with, with detoxification and we can't expel as much estrogen as, as you should be. And so we've got this estrogen quote unquote dominance type scenario. And, and so I'm looking deeper into the whys Mm -hmm. rather than just saying, Oh man, this isn't working well. You know, here's a prescription. Try this Um, Mm -hmm. again, not to, not to discount the model. That's just what the model is. Um, But yeah, in in terms of people coming to see me, it is more for, of that. I've tried this and, and that's normally the, the clients I get is I've tried X, Y, Z, I'm at the end. <laughs> now right. what? Um, right. I, I get a few that are just into their kind of journey and, and like, okay, this is how I want to approach it. And I want to look at it this way. Um, but it, it is also that like, I'm at the end of my rope. I've tried all of this and nothing's working or at least working as well as it should be. Mm-hmm. What can we do next? Mm-hmm. You know, it also makes me think um, about you know, and I think about this more once I crossed 55 this Mm -hmm. year and hit 56, I was kind of like really shifting my thought process on, all right, what do I need to do more of to make it to a hundred, you know, or to make it, you know, comfortably to 85 or whatever it is, you know, what do I really need to ramp up in terms of, you know, my dental health and my mental health and my gut health and all of it, you know, and it really does um, make me think as you're talking about all those lifestyle things that we've heard about that, as you say, people generally know and can tick off a list of things they should be doing, quote unquote. Um, It just makes you realize how important it is that those things really are things you're doing, especially when it comes to something like the endocrine system where you might I would assume, and you can tell me, um, you might not know that maybe there's something off until, as you say, maybe you have your annual physical and they take 
regular blood work and they say, like, as in my case, Hey, by the way, your blah, blah, blah is a little elevated, or I can't even remember what the whole scenario was. Cause I was mm-hmm. a lot as I was finding all this out, um, at the same time. So, you know, I guess I, you know, I know people don't respond well to warnings <laughs> or being chastised for what they're not doing. So I don't want to go down that route. Um, I do though, and I'd love to hear your thoughts on, you know, what are really important things that people should do to, to really stave off, especially for my listeners who are in their twenties and thirties, right? Like, oh my God, if I knew what I knew now when I was in my twenties and thirties, right? So what are some of those things that if you could ideally, or even not ideally, what are some of those things that people should be doing to really keep their endocrine system in good shape, which is again, not a system people think about because they're going to hot yoga and thinking about the muscles and thinking about cardio, right? Systems that I think get a lot of press and, you know, the endocrine system is behind the scenes, like the thermostat of the body or all the other, you know, metaphors you might want to use. But, Mm -hmm. you know, I think people can certainly relate to burnout quote unquote, or, you know, sometimes I hear things like adrenal burnout or, you know, cortisol is certainly a hormone that people hear about in the context of a lot of stress. So, you know, again, I think some of this is out there on social media, articles, clickbait type things. Um, But again, if you were to kind of be coaching someone who was younger, what, what kinds of things would you say to do to keep your endocrine system healthy? Yeah. Um, The first and foremost, which is, this is kind of a a little bit of a big response is listen to your body. Mm. Because we have, we, and I'm going to be real generalistic here. We live in a society that glorifies doing too much. Mm. Oh, she's the mom and she's the this and she works here and she volunteers there and she, oh, wow, how does she do it all? That's the person who gets the badge and the, the glory. Mm. And we're, we're doing that way too much because, and, and that's that burnout that, you know, the fatigue, the headaches, the whatever it is that we, we push through. Oh, because I can just, I just need to do this. Just, just push through. And no, when your body gives you those signals, when your body sends you the symptoms, you've got to listen and say, why is this happening? Why every time do I, you know, do this? Why can't I, why am I sleeping through my alarm every day now? Why, why do I get a headache every time I go out with my friends and all I did was have one glass of wine and I come home and I just, uh, you know, we've got to start listening to our body and start responding in the ways we know how to what it's telling us. And the other thing I would say is be your own. And this is, again, it's another big loaded response, but be your own advocate. Mm -hmm. Um, When your doctor says, you know, or you ask, I I really want that full, let's use an example again, full thyroid panel. Oh, no, no, we don't need that because blah, blah, blah. You know what? This is my body. (laughs) I want these labs. And 
that's okay if, if it's not going to change your course of action. Can I just see them for my own personal peace of mind and benefit? And, and using that, and this is not my advice. It's advice someone gave me, um, and I passed it along to others, is if your doctor does refuse something you're asking, ask them to document that in your chart. Because when we refuse as patients, yeah, the doctor that, has to document in the chart that we refuse treatment. Yeah. And then I think the next thing you should do is probably get another doctor. Well, yes. If we want to go so far as saying that, if your doctor is truly just dismissing your request and, and your, yeah. you know, what you're asking, I, yes. I had a situation like that when I had my annual physical this year for two years in a row, I thought my HDL was a little high. And my father is, has a pharmacology background. And so he was also concerned. And so I went to my primary care doctor and I said, I want a referral to a cardiologist, which she needed to make. And she poo-pooed it and said, no, you don't need to worry about it. Your overall cholesterol relation, uh, ratio is fine. I'm not really concerned. And I said, I know, but I really want to go to a cardiologist. If not to at least have a relationship now with someone. Before you need it. Yeah. Yeah. And she pushed back again. And I pushed back again and then she said, okay, fine. And it was funny because even the process of getting the name from her secretary was a little, it wasn't the smoothest process. And so I had to call multiple times and the name I got was actually transposed. So the physician's first name was Patel and I forget what the physician's last name was, but they kept saying to me, it was Dr. Patel. And so I had to go off and do some Googling to actually, cause I knew the hospital is the same hospital she's at. And then I actually found out that they had transposed his name and it was Dr. Patel. I forget the person's last name. Oh my God. And I didn't even call back to say, guys, you didn't even give me the right name. And when I did go to him, long story short, it's nothing to be concerned about, but he um, was sat in the room with me for a half an hour, had a whole conversation about cardiovascular health. A lot of what you're talking about here in terms of general things to be concerned about. And when I left that visit, I bought a blood pressure cuff and now I take my blood pressure regularly just as something to do. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. I think that you're exactly right. I think being an advocate for yourself with physicians is important, especially in a culture who does that does generally defer to doctors as knowing all. Yeah, yeah. And and they do. I mean, I will never, never discount the knowledge they have and, and the right. worth that they are to us. Um, but at the same time, in terms of preventative health, right. they don't quite have the upper leg. They are more into treatment right. of yeah. disease, right. disease management versus health prevention. And that's a really, really big difference. And, and that's why when we even use the word healthcare, yeah. to me, that's almost a, myth no, a misnomer because are we really caring for our health or are we preventing disease right. and managing disease? Because I think that's a better kind of nomer or a better name to give that if we really want to say what it is that they are doing in that, that allopathic conventional medical model. Right. Um, so again, not to, it's just different levels of performance and, and where we are trained and what we are, you know, more skilled in. And that's why as much as we can too, as practitioners, whether we are yoga teachers, whether we are dietitians, whether we are physicians, whatever we're in, the more we can work together as purveyors of health, right. the more truly nourished people we can be um, right. because we have that multifaceted and 
integrative, that's really where you get that integrative health approach to caring for our bodies. And, mm -hmm. and that's so important. Yeah, very much so. And, you know, I'm thinking as you're talking to a lot of the themes that you're bringing up, you know, in this time of the pandemic and as, um, the WHO and the CDC and, and the pharmaceutical companies are finding out more and more and physicians, of course, the, the treaters out there about COVID and its impact on the body. I mean, we're hearing about inflammatory disease. I watched this whole thing on 60 Minutes last night about the long haulers and a lot of the um, um, uh, clinical presentations that they have. People that have had COVID for many right. months have this kind of brain fog and, um, tremors and, yeah. um, uh, extreme weakness. And it just makes me wonder, and I know, you know, we're finding this out as it's happening or trying to, at least it makes you wonder about COVID's effect on the endocrine system. Since yeah. a lot of this long hauler symptom mm -hmm. presentation seems to mimic a lot of what you talk about. Yeah. And that's interesting. You bring that up because I've, I don't want to say I've done research. I've, I've read up on some of these same things and what I am seeing more of as I read different um, reports or, or, you know, things that, that have come out now that we've had a little bit of right. time to create some history is that at the root of this, um, what it's kind of leaving behind is this inflammatory state in the body. So approaching it, not just from the, the major medical interventions you need to have if, you know, from the get-go, but to over the long haul, um, really target that inflammation and, and watch numbers that would signal to, you know, inflammatory conditions and treat it as an inflammatory disease. Because yes, going back to the endocrine system, when you've got this inflammation, this literal burning fire within you somewhere, at a cellular level, at a gut level, at a wherever it is that this, this inflammation is being caused, that is a signal to your endocrine system that this environment is not safe. We need to, we need to do something in here to keep him or her okay. Again, let's dial down this, let's dial up that. Let's, it's this check and balance, you know, cascade mm -hmm. of, of communication that they have. Mm -hmm. and, and when you have that constant inflammation, it will continue to disrupt that endocrine system, um, you know, thyroid being one of them, cortisol being another one, cortisol impacts blood sugar, sends blood sugar up, then we've got insulin going, then we've got, you know, again, the cascade just oh, goes yeah. on. And when they so, showed, you can see, I'm sure you can watch it online, the 60 minutes thing last night, the one woman they profiled, they showed her nightstand, she had like 20 different pill bottles mm. of what she's taking and she was a personal trainer before and was very yeah. functional. And it seems like the medical approach is probably to have a pill for, you know, all the things that you just mentioned, all the problems you just mentioned, well, a pill yeah. for this and a pill for that. Yeah. And if we can, at the, at the end of the day, if we can look at your body and say, okay, th these pills that are, that are, they go in and they just, they hijack really is what a lot of medications do. Um, not all, but, but from a major sense, they go in and they just, they hijack the system versus different, maybe it's nutritional supplements that go in and restore what you are at your foundational level to make you stronger, to make your body work better, to make your liver, 
detoxify easier to make your, um, you know, thyroid have the nutrients that it needs to go. When we look at your health and your, especially recovery in this sense, as from, from a supportive lens, what does your body need to stay supported, especially through an anti, especially through an, an inflammatory type situation. And that's what we bring in. We begin to see support at a much deeper level than just a pill for every ill. As they yeah, say. like a Band-Aid on top yeah, of Yeah, because those are going to have cascade effects of, you know, I'm taking this medication. Well, that's going to cause this. Okay, so you need this medication. Okay, well, that's going to turn this up. Well, okay, we need that medication to turn it down. You know, so mm -hmm. it, it just starts this crazy, um, because medications, they don't, they don't support the system. They don't help your body talk to each other. And, and again, I'm speaking in a very broad general sense. There are sure. medications that are, are, you know, super and super. Um, but but some of these, you know, they, they just have a very different mode of action. And um, when we look at it as a supportive sense of what does your body need and, and what can we replete that's probably deficient, especially after something like COVID, zaps right. your body of zinc, zaps your body of vitamin D, which you are probably low in already, zaps your magnesium, your B vitamins. And, and so we're starting at like this ground zero where we just need to get in and get all this just robust supplementation if that's what you need, you know, talk to your doctor, talk to right. your practitioner. Um, but just to support you on your basic needs level, um, it can have a whole different, you know, kind of prognosis of, of recovery and long lasting, hopefully recovery. Mm -hmm. So I just want to take a little sidebar of clarification, because when I, as a yoga teacher who focuses on anatomy here, inflammation, I mm -hmm. think of things like the cumulative injury cycle, like when you sprain your ankle yeah. and you have inflammation in response to a muscular injury. Mm -hmm. And so there's kind of the rushing of blood and other um, um, liquid type things like lymph and all that to the system, to the yep. area, I mean, and there's swelling and that kind of thing. Yeah. When we talk about inflammation, like you're talking about it, it's not necessarily the injury response in the vein of kind of an injury to the musculoskeletal system or the fascial system, it's more inflammation in another sense. Is that true? Yes. Yes. And even when they talk about gut inflammation, they're yes. not necessarily talking about that kind of inflammation as the same as if I had swelling in my knee where I needed to have my knee drained. Like that's, Although maybe well, it's similar, similar they, controlled. They are. And here's the thing. Inflammation at its foundation is essential to life. If I get a cut on my hand, right. I, I want those yeah. white blood cells rushing and the platelets to come in and exactly. fill it up. And I want it to see a little red and whatever, because that tells me I am healing. That should not go on forever. That knee injury should not be inflamed forever. We should get to that point of, oh, it's hurting. That's my signal. Let's get it looked at. Let's get it you know, treated. Let's hopefully heal from this. That inflammation goes down. It's over. My body did its job. It went through that cycle. The problem is when we have something, let's say like gut inflammation, you bring that up and that cycle never stops. Yeah. And we are constantly, and, and gut inflammation can be, uh, that's a very broad term for a number of things that can be happening. It can be the fact that I've got pathogens down there um, that should not be. And my body is, is constantly fighting a war of viruses and parasites and worms and whatever else that's down there, that there's just this constant um, uh, ability or constant 
um, attack to try to kill off these things. Well, that gut tissue along your small and large intestine is in many spots, one cell layer thick, one cell. Now keep in mind, we cannot visually see a cell. So the barrier to protect us from the outside because everything you put in your mouth, there's, there's one spot in your whole body that has contact with the outside world. And that's from your mouth till it's out at the yeah. bottom. <laughs> everything you put in your mouth has contact with your internal self through your GI tract. And when you're talking one cell layer thick, once that little spot is, is broken and that, that kind of barrier is breached, that's when the inflammation begins. And that's when that tissue begins to, um, you know, quote, inflame, um, be yes, all of those things, ulcers, maybe. And when we talk about Crohn's disease, then we're talking about an actual autoimmune. Our tissue is actually being attacked by ourselves. Our, t- our body does no, no longer recognizes us and it attacks us all sort of colitis, Crohn's, those are two of the big GI ones that actually your body is attacking itself. Now we've turned into civil war, not just war of, of outside invaders, but now civil war, my body is attacking itself. Um, and that's where we get that inflammation. And if we don't remove those either bacteria or viruses or um, whatever pathogens we've got in there, that, that inflammatory cycle will never stop. So that's kind of a, a way of saying silently inflamed and you don't, the hardest part with that is you don't always feel it. You can't see it from the outside like you could a cut or a bruise or, or something where you would visibly see the inflammation and, and it doesn't always feel like it should. Or going back to dismissing things, we just say, oh, I'm supposed to feel like, doesn't everybody get sick after they eat dinner or doesn't everybody like run to the bathroom 10 times a day? Like, isn't that normal? Right. Um, no, it's not. And or isn't it normal to just go to go poop once a week? Like, um, no, it's not. Right. So right. We, we don't know, quote, normal from not normal. So we just, we just say, well, that's just my body. That's how I am. That's how you are, but this is how I am. Don't confuse normal with, you know, optimal and with what your body should be doing. Right. And so, so that's that kind of where we can say hidden inflammation of, in talking about the gut in that regard, how that can be going on. Sometimes it can be, you know, joint inflammation. If people just have chronically inflamed joints, sometimes it can present as headaches, um, whether they're migraines or not, that is a definite sign of inflammation. Um, skin issues, um, eczema, um, skin rashes, things like that. Your, your skin is your last form of detox that your body has. First liver, kidneys, you know, we're getting it out through the urine, we're getting it out through the stool, we're getting it out, you know, through the liver detoxifying. And when stuff's in there that's, that's really backed up and too much, it's like, okay, we got to get this out somewhere else. Where are other holes? Oh, the skin, let's get it out through the pores. And then we start these rashes and things like that. So that can be a sign of internal inflammation. Um, Chronic fatigue, your body is just it's going and going and we're fighting a fight that we can't win. So your body again, tries to talk to you saying, Hey, we need help. We need rest. We're going to make you tired. Right. And then we push through that fatigue. And, and so it's just this cycle of, um, you know, normalizing symptoms right. versus saying, I need to stop and right. I need some help. Right. And I think that goes back to what you were saying before. And I, I wrote it down, this idea of listening to your body and yeah. being your own advocate. I mean, I think, People joke around about, especially during 
the pandemic, how many times have you Googled something that you have as a symptom or how many times have you gone on WebMD with a symptom that you have? And even pre-COVID, the going on WebMD was kind of a running joke. Yes. So, you know, if you're looking on the internet because you have a concern about something regarding your health, you really need to go advocate for yourself and at least call an internist. And, you know, how many times do I see people on Facebook? Does anybody know a good internist or know it? Like people don't typically even have, and I know the whole conversation about, do you have health insurance notwithstanding, which is obviously a very important one, especially for self-employed people and a lot of employed yoga teachers don't have health insurance because the studio systems don't offer it to them. Um, That just for right now to the side, just the idea of not having a primary care physician, whether you want to call them a gatekeeper or not, not having someone who is your central point of contact into the broader healthcare system. And then additionally, like you say, maybe when you start that path, having an adjunct path where you have holistic practitioners and nutritionists and people like yourself that are going to look at things from a broader perspective in conjunction with kind of the traditional clinical perspective really gets at all of it, um, especially if you have something symptom-wise that's really concerning and debilitating to you and long-standing chronic, like these kinds of things that, you know, especially women, as you say, just kind of chalk up to, oh, it's my monthly cycle or, oh, it's, mm-hmm. you know, just the stress of raising a child or multiple children, things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, for sure, for sure. And and thankfully, um as women, we're, we are given a few signs of health that men don't have. And you mentioned, you know, your cycle, that is something that I, I work with women on that that's a huge vital sign when your cycle health is off. Um, if you are still a regularly cycling female, um, whether it's really, you know, people again, normalize really painful periods. Oh, I'm supposed to be in bed for a whole day and a half because I can't move because I want to vomit because it feels like knives are twisting inside my abdomen. Like that's normal, right? No, it's not. Um, and, um, you know, looking at your cycle health, whether you're, um, my periods are too long, they're too heavy. Uh, my cycle days are too long. I'm not getting a period, but every, you know, 60 days versus every 30 ish, or they're coming every 14 days instead of like, what, you know, that's such a vital sign of our health that, that I work with women on too, to use as a mirror to your hormone health, to mm-hmm. your um, fertility, to your thyroid health. It gives great picture into thyroid health when you're looking at your cycle. Um, so, so again, just paying attention to those signs. And, you know, it's not always easy to know what's normal and what's not. And I think sometimes that's the hard part because right now when we can literally Google anything and then we get, you know, 24,000 hits and you go, okay, which one's right? Mm. How do I know this site? And, and so you then begin to say, okay, well, where am I seeing a lot of the overlaps? And it, it takes a lot of energy right. to go and, and do that um, for yourself. So um, that's why I say it's, it's, it's not easy to find that practitioner, um, but taking that one step, like you said, even if it's just a, somebody, a general health practitioner, like let's just start somewhere. Yeah. Um, and if I get answers, great. If I don't, I'll, I'll keep, keep testing the waters and keep asking and keep searching yeah. until I find that person. Yeah. Cause honestly, you know, if you don't, who's going to, it's not like someone's going to be pushing you to go to the doctor. You really need. Um, I was thinking too, of something else. Oh my goodness. Oh, I just had the thought and then it's gone. I just was thinking when you were talking about 
Oh my goodness. What a bummer. I really had another, Oh, I know when you were talking about, um, you know, Googling symptoms and, and kind of discounting that they're anything to be concerned about. I think in the yoga teaching world, that is something that we sometimes hear from students when they talk about um, having pain when they're stretching in a particular pose or having pain in a particular part of their body during yoga practice. And, and, you know, there's kind of the dual aspect of um, kind of culturally, um, I don't know the right way to say this, but culturally kind of, especially in the social media presentation of yoga, oftentimes the positive messaging that seems to be around super flexible poses. Mm -hmm. And then at the same time, people who might be hypermobile and or people who aren't hypermobile, but who have pain upon stretching and kind of, like you say, don't listen to their body mm -hmm. and discount it as, oh, I'm just tight. I need to push through this. So I just wanted to make that comment to kind of make that parallel between your approach with people and, and my approach with people and the kinds of things I hear about from people, even yeah. just yesterday in talking to a, a teacher and she was saying, you know, for so long, I've had this pain in downward dog. And we were talking about hamstrings versus adductors and, you know, different approaches. Um, is it that they're weak? Is it that the muscles are too hypertonic? You know, what really could be going on there? And, you know, just she was ready to kind of really take more responsibility to do a little myofascial release and a little hamstring strengthening and kind of back off the, you know, extreme poses where there was a lot of hamstring length and see if that helped. And then, you know, she was, and it was really because for a while she'd been kind of ignoring this constant pain. And when we talked yesterday, she said, um, I don't really think it's normal that I always feel so much pain in my hamstrings when I do down dog, is it? And I was like, no, it's definitely not. But again, I mean, we have a lot of people that come to class because they want to get more flexible or they equate right. flexibility with musculoskeletal health. And that again is something that's kind of out there, you know, oh, oh build more flexibility in your body. Well, yeah. you know, if you build so much flexibility, it's not great structurally for your right. body either. So there's always that kind of middle ground. So I can yeah. totally relate to what you're saying, you know, and you look at it, look at it through the lens of teaching. It's one thing and, you know, but it all points to, like you say, listen to your body and be your own advocate you know, yeah. and, uh, I, I totally, totally love that. So I can't believe we've talked for like an hour and a half. That's unbelievable, but it's just so, um, a testament to, I can feel the passion for what you do. And, and, and I just, I just love this. And I, I really think we've touched on so many different things. I know it's going to be of interest to people. And especially because, like I said, at the beginning, you know, if there are people out there that, you know, there's so many things you talked about that I'm sure someone listening is going to be like, oh, wow, I have that, or I'm concerned. And there's certainly a lot of symptoms we talked about where somebody might be listening and all of a sudden thinking, oh my God, I'm really concerned. And do I need to follow up on this? Or maybe there's someone who's having some fertility issues or anything, anything. Um, how do people reach you? What's the best way if they want to touch base with you, even just to DM you on Instagram to say, Hey, I heard you on the podcast and, you know, give us a little bit of that. And I'll put it in the show notes, but since they're listening now. Yeah, for sure. So on Instagram, I'm Jen Z nutrition. So just J E N Z nutrition. 
And my website, I'm out on Facebook as well, Gen Z Nutrition. And my website is just my name, jenniferzucconi.com. It's Z-U-C-C-O-N-I.com, jenniferzucconi.com. So Perfect. doing a little refreshing on that too. So hopefully some updates coming that way uh, That's pretty good. soon. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, thank you so much. I mean, again, it's been a year and a half almost, October, November, December. No. Yeah, a just year, over a year. A like year and a month. Months. Yeah. So, a couple yeah. of months. Yeah. Um, but it's great to see you virtually. Yes. <laughs> and yes. I'm so glad that our sitting next to each other, you know, transformed into a nice friendship. So I really, really appreciate it. And I just, I love all of this. It's just, um, and especially because the themes were so holistic, you know, that you brought up um, and it could have just been super clinical and super kind of niche, but it was just so holistic. And I think that that is such a partnered theme with what I talk about, you know, yoga is a holistic practice. So it ended up being really inextricably linked, which is, which is, just really great. So yeah, such great connections. Yeah. We'll have a wonderful holiday. Thank you. And I will, um, this should be up and running on, uh, on the interwaves there, uh, within a day, maybe even a couple of hours. So I'll send you the link as soon as it's live. Awesome. I'm excited. Thank you, Karen. It was a pleasure. Yes. Okay. Talk to you soon. Okay. Bye. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to Conversations for Yoga Teachers. I am your host, Karen Fabian, and I just want to remind you, if you would like to get on the wait list for my two premier programs, the Blueprint Learning Program and my Mentorship Program, all you need to do is visit my website, barebonesyoga.com, and the links to get on the wait list for both of these programs are right on the homepage. Thanks for listening and see you on the next episode.